Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 261 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, it's the Cyclocross Radio Awards show. Our, our post-season awards, we're handing them all out today. It was a fun show to do, fun conversation in the media pit with Michael and Zach, and we're going to get straight to it. After I tell you about a couple things. First off, Wide Angle Podium. If you haven't been there in a while, go check out all the shows. Check out Criterium Nation. Also check out the Criterium Nation Chronicle. Similar to the CX Hairs Bulletin, the Criterium Nation now has their own Substack. Another newsletter is going to be great information throughout the year. So go check that out. So go subscribe to the Substack for the Criterium Nation Chronicle. Also make sure to check out Amanda Nauman's uh, conversation with Pete Stetna on Grodio. That was a really good one. The Nowhere Fast crew has a new show out along with the Slow Ride podcast. Everybody is putting in weekly or bi-weekly shows and it's really worth your while to go check out everything that's going on at Wide Angle Podium. Dot com. Become a member, help support all of the content that we are giving to you at no to very low cost. Endurasport. Really happy to have them on board. Mainly, I just want to get you familiar with that name and that brand. Would love for you to go to Endurasport.com. Check out all of the gear that they have. This is really top quality gear. I know you're here, you hear me say it every week, but I want you to take this week to actually go to the site and check it out and take advantage of the 20% off that I'm offering you right now by using Wide Angle 20 you get 20% off your order. And that really adds up because you can have a lot of great gear and save a good chunk of change. Uh, the, the, the piece of gear that I want to point out or highlight this week are their single track shorts and the single track light shorts. They're really cool shorts. They're durable. They're comfortable. And the thing that I like is that I like baggies to ride in but I don't like overly baggy baggies so these are kind of like slim baggies which are perfect you sort of get that baggy feel without them sort of all over the place and and blousey so perfect combination the other thing that the single track shorts have and the single track light shorts has that they offer a short fit along with a regular fit not something really that i need personally at six foot five but i know a lot of people do they don't like the the when they're getting the baggy shorts and they're hanging below their knees so there is actually uh, available when you check out uh, to get the short fit shorts and use wide angle 20 and get 20 percent off that order at endurasport.com all right it's the awards show, episode 261 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Zach, we got Michael, and we're doing all of it right now. We are back in the media pit. I think for the last official time of the season. There might be other media pits down the road, but this is the last official 
two cyclocross season. So just just to end up things in the way we started, Michael. How's it going? Bill, it's so hot in my recording studio that I have my window open. Is there something there, Zach? What am I missing? Oost. You know, I had a great weekend, and I was so excited for Tunes Day. So here we are. Did you work on the rest of the week? You told me I, I was I was expecting a full week when I got here of cyclocross. Well, we started out with Musin yesterday was Musin Day. Today is Tunes Day. Uh Wern Werner's Werner's okay. Day. All right. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. All right. Um I don't really have anything to offer. I mean, I just, uh, it's cold here in Minneapolis. It's really cold, snowed a bunch today. Uh, so it seems very fitting that, I, I don't know, I feel like in past years, some of these races have been kind of like nicer weather and you're like, oh, spring is coming or whatever. I, I'm not feeling that vibe. I'm feeling like six inches of snow right now. So uh, fitting that we're still in the winter, that we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We've got the bell ringing. It's one to go. Uh, as Scott Herman would say, it's the sweetest sound in cyclocross. Uh, and that, guys, is our award ceremony. Uh, do we have a name for these? Uh, you know, the Grod- for Grodio, we had the Grodies. It just fit perfectly. Did we Do we have a name? Did we come up? Michael, you, you listened to this episode from last year. Did we have a name for these? No, we didn't. Um, I think we should, we should, we, this, should, this should be the pit. It's the pit. The pitties. <laughs> the pit that, that's that's the that's the name of uh, Pitcock's. Uh, what he's going to call his future kid? Oh, little pity, little pity. <laughs> I was going to call his dog. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Just like any, he's, he's the he's the next Indiana Jones. The CXers. The I don't know. The Crosskers. All right, so we didn't work on that. Hopefully, we have a little bit better of a plan for for doing these awards. Uh, so, are you we, saying you know, the Oscars year- is not good? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of how we can do the golden the golden tubular the golden. Come on, Bill. The golden the golden tubies would be good. The golden tubies. Right, I like it because because also like tubulars are going away, right? Like. You know, one day, one day people will be clamoring to win a golden golden tubies is what we're we're gonna do. So we've got like we did this last year. I think we had some fun with it. We did some serious ones. We did some uh, some fun ones. Uh, and so I think we'll start. We we actually have domestic racing to talk about this time around. So we'll go with uh, the domestic racing. We'll start there. Uh, everyone will talk about some nominees, and then uh, hopefully we'll pick out a winner and end up. Uh, hopefully we'll remember who we give all the tubies to. Uh, so to start it out. Uh, I think we have some good candidates on this front this year for domestic racing, but uh, breakout rider of the year. Uh, so we'll start with the uh, the women. I'll go ahead because um, this is the one I actually had to answer for. Um, I don't, you know, I, but I I wasn't sure if this is going to fall into breakout, but I was going to say Raylan Nuss. Um, I think this was the year that she 
started the big program in 2020, but there was no real racing. So this is sort of the the launch of the program, the Steve Tilford um, Foundation team, uh, bringing on Stephen Hyde and um, Joseph Small Schmaltz, I believe. Um, but, you know, she started a program, uh, very successful, you know, did all the races, you know, had, had the staff, had the squad, had the media. Uh, and then she went out and uh, snagged a Pan Am's jersey and got on the podium at Nationals. And I think she kind of, uh, as we like to say in the media pit, made a bit of a statement. Uh, I... <sighs> The, the one that just struck me here, I think, is sort of a crossover that's probably more on the Euro side. So it was hard for me because domestically, she's not really a breakout rider. But my first, what first came to my mind was Magli Rochette, breakout year. And I'm like, she's a domestic rider. So I don't know if that is really in the spirit of the award because she already like cleans house in the domestic races and has been doing that for several years and did it again this year but then her european campaign was certainly a breakout year so that's that's kind of what i was struggling with and then just at the spur of the moment i was thinking well hannah aaronsman is uh is a rider that i think we were talking about a lot more this year than we we've had done so in the past still a young rider but definitely uh, fast starter, you know, something that we like to see in American cyclocross, somebody with a fast start. And I think uh, in the coming years, it'll be interesting to see if she can uh, continue to push that through to the to the full 50 minutes. Ooh, those are I, I like the the Rochette one. I like, you know, the the golden tubies were all about thinking outside the box and it doesn't necessarily have to fit into to one corner. Um, I have a feeling, though, I mean, I, I think in some way we definitely need to make sure that Rochette gets an award here because uh, she had a great year. Uh, so the the one that I picked because I kind of figured uh, that, you know, one of you guys would go with Raylan Nuss was Anna McGailey. Uh, you know, talk about breakout like. I mean, we covered the sport like we literally hadn't heard about her. Like we didn't know anything about her except she was like kind of this person that was, you know, kind of in the field. Um, She had some standout results and got on some uh, podiums and I think ended up on the the wide angle podium at Nationals, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, lots of good choices. And yeah, cool to see some new names uh, in the elite women's field. We said that it was going to be kind of this transitional year and we definitely saw that. I think we should also uh, throw Caitlin Bernstein in there as well. Another one who uh, has been sort of hanging out around there and it really uh, was sniffing out those podiums this year. So how are we going to decide who wins? We didn't really discuss that. How about we take turns? I, so Why don't last, we play like, oh, how did we do it? We didn't. There's no winners. We just we just nominated people and moved on. <laughs> okay. So egalitarian. Like okay. Uh, I, should we just do that? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm fine. Cool. I'm sticking with Rochette uh, so, then. All right. Great. I love it. Uh, breakout rider for the men. I mean, who wants to go first? I think there's, to me, there's only one answer oh. to this one. Do you point it out, sir? I, I, I'll, I'll start the ball rolling and then y'all can discuss. Eric Brunner. Was that not the right answer, Zach? No, Scott McGill. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah, okay. What, wait, what? What? He would. He never even raced cyclocross. He was a thing. He made the world's team. Did he not? Barely. He not. He never. He did a couple like collegiate races. 
Hang on a second. Really? I thought for sure that everyone was just going to say Scott McGill. No, I was going to say Eric Brunner because he was always a guy that was kind of hanging around. And this year he broke out and won all of the big races. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of, I mean, I think Scott McGill, you know what? We, we can pick. There you go. Zach, you pick Scott. I like it. It's a good pick. He had a, he had a, he, he came in uh, early with, he had a good, good story, um, racing on the road shoes and he was out there throwing punches. Um, I, I was. I also picked Brunner. I know that he won nationals before, but sort of breakout on the elite stage really this year. Um, made a big splash, and uh, some people said he couldn't win the met in the mud, and uh, they were wrong. So that is that is true. Well, let's just. I mean, let's get right to it then. Let's go with North American Rider of the Year. I. I'll I'll pick Bill's pick for breakout and say Rochette, North American Woman Rider of the Year. I mean, kind of kind of won them all. Not all of them, but it was was probably the best here in the states in the series. Um, and then, you know, I guess had some had some really good races in Europe, top fives, top threes. Um, really seemed to succeed there in a way that we hadn't seen her before kind of get into a groove in Europe. And I know that that is a hard thing to accomplish. So I think that's sort of something uh, worth recognizing. Yeah. My pick was Rochette as well. I think that you could certainly argue uh, you could say Clara. I mean, I think is the other candidate Uh, she won Copenberg cross, but I don't think she was got the results maybe that she had gotten last year. I think that she kind of set the bar a little high for herself uh, whereas Megalie Rochette kind of rolled uh, in the U.S., she won five of the six U.S. CX races that she did, and then she also got that European success. She finally broke through on the European stage, and you know had a really good, disappointing for her, but still finished seventh at, at the World Championships in an incredibly fast, intense race. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this was uh, Megalie Rochette's year, and you know, she put it together both domestically and internationally. And to me, that just makes her like untouchable for for the award this year. My choice was Hansinger. Uh, podium, third place in Fayetteville, fifth place at Overisa, the one at one of the monuments in the sport, Copenberg Cross. That's just that catapults you right up there. Uh, one nationals again going away, just dominant performance. Did Magli Rochette win nationals? No, no, she didn't. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> Second place at Dendermonda. You know, I mean, just we look at it, and again, you're absolutely right. With the the expectations were so high for Clara, but you look at those results that she had, and it's still just it's it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I we could put them head to head if you want. I think and, and argue about who had a had a better season. Uh, you know, and and uh, I think Magley definitely uh, bested Clara when they went head to head in the U.S. But I think I still think that if at least to get her name out there, I would I would pick I would pick Hansinger again. All right, so we had two for Rochette and one for Hansinger. I think that might have been kind of similar to our um, secret rider poll earlier in the season, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't remember specifically, but I think there was kind of like it was close, maybe tilted a little bit towards towards Megaly. So I, I'm looking forward to next year. I think that you know it'll be great to have the two of them uh, back at it again. Uh, and you know, now they know that they're fighting for the golden Tubi and, uh, important stuff to, to race for. Uh, so the next one, uh, this one, 
I, I don't know how to explain this, but it's I, I call it like best course, best race weekend. So this is like the conditions, the quality of the course, the vibes, the storylines. You know, like like I think of like uh, the few years ago at Namur when it was just like epic, when it was like a monsoon of like winter, you know, Ailey's getting carted off the course, carried off the course, like, you know, Tone is breaking ribs and stuff. Like to me, that would have been my choice. So that's kind of what I'm kind of going for. So, you know, all the races that we had in North America, we'll throw the World Cups in there too. Uh, what What is your guys' choice for race vibes? This was one that I think that between this and race of the year, it it was tough. You know, there's, it's tough to kind of like distinguish those two, but I think, I think, I think I can do it. I I, I think for this one, I would pick, um, I think Kings this year was phenomenal. No. I should have spoken. Oh, grab the mic. That was that was my pick as well. <laughs> oh well, there we go. Perfect. I mean, let's let's talk about why. Hey, look, you had you had because we read the bulletin this morning. And oh, Zach I did, wrote yeah. it. Okay, but uh, Brunner Kerry during that men's race was epic. I mean, you had you had classic Kings. We love Kings because Kings gives you two different races. Every year, it's just like clockwork. You're going to have your fast, speedy, you know, great flow, great rhythm. Everybody's just crushing it, flying, putting in these fast laps one day. And the next day, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be muddy. It's going to be running. It's going to be just, you know, a, a war of attrition. And that's exactly what we got this year. And we, we had some just phenomenal races. You know, you got Kerry getting it wrong on the on the, on the planks on day one, coming back, redeeming himself on day two. I mean, you can't get a better story for that. You got Magley Rochette, even though she was just the class of the women's field in that she, she was like, Hey, this is world. This is world cup. You know, it was such a foreshadowing of what we were going to see later in the season from Magley, where she was like, I'm going to practice going hard in the mud because people say I can't race in the mud. And you know, it's definitely been my Achilles heel in the past. And she just crushed it in those conditions. And then that confidence you know, it stayed with her, and then she had that great success in in crappy conditions once she went to went to Europe, and just just through that and through the junior races and everything else, I I thought it was just just a phenomenal phenomenal weekend. I thought it it was as far as USDX goes, and and the broadcast, I thought it was one of the best broadcast races we had as well. I will note it also established the aforementioned narrative about Eric Brunner and his uh, ability or inability to ride in certain conditions. It provided one of the best cold opens to a video I've done yet. So thanks, Zach. Um, yeah, I, I, Cincy for sure. I am. I, um, I think all year, whenever we had this sort of duality on the weekends, where we had two different courses uh, that sort of gave us two different styles of racing, I always celebrated that because that's what's so cool about cross. And uh, yeah, just I mean everything you said, Zach, and I mean Bill, and, and also yeah, it wrapped up. It was the end of the the USCX series, and I distinctly remember like some some like deceptively slippy corners and the drone shot in the broadcast. Yeah, just 
good stuff all around, and that's the one definitely stuck out in my mind. I'll throw a second one out there. I'll say that Charm City, we had, it's so long ago, but we forget about the Blevins hype (laughs) and how much we hyped up Chris Blevins being at that race. And, you know, frankly, on day two, we got a banger from them. But, you know, from the elite women, too, we I think that was the probably the most competitive that Clara and Maglie were against one another. Clara won one of the days. Uh, Maglie was dealing with the heat, came back the next day, and it was still actually a, a good race until it was a tight race until Clara crashed uh, and kind of fell off the pace. So, you know, I think that that one had like some good storylines and it had some good racing. You know, I think that get to it in a second but i think that day two race with uh that came down to our, our man Vinny b and curtis probably is definitely a candidate for uh elite men's race of the year as well so uh that's the other one but uh, i was thinking cincy there was just there's so much going on with, with that one um so without any further let's let's do it uh men's domestic so only domestic so a race that was not a world cup so men's right. race of the year i'm letting you go first michael oh Oh, oh, sorry. I have it. Okay. I was confused <laughs> on my categories here. Um, I was thinking, once again, <laughs> I cannot. These races are like coming to my head for a week and they go away. Um, but Zach, thank you. Uh, the bulletin, you reminded me of the what the Jingle Cross race where Eric Brunner sort of like was at the front and then was he crashed? Would he had a mechanical what, what happened to him in that race? I think he had a mechanical. I think he had a mechanical issue. But it was like something kind of like out of the ordinary. Anyway, and then the fact that he like came back and then there was the the trouble on the hill. That was my uh, favorite race. That was pretty wild. Like the the sauce or the lion toppling into the sauce and then Vinny B skating up the right side of Mount Crumpet uh, to take the win. And then Eric Brunner in third. Um, I mean, Bill, you kind of maybe I, I don't know if you tipped your hand, but I'll I'll say like the day day two of charm was incredible you know it came down to uh, chris blevins was going to be his last race and he went out with a overwhelming bang i mean he put in this massive mid-race attack and it still came down to to vinnie b uh, curtis white and chris blevins and then blevins fell off and it came down to vinnie b and curtis we had some you know the importance of the barriers and being able to hop them and curtis came you know so close uh, to beating uh, Vincent Bastons in that race, but that was uh, that was a banger and definitely one. Having, I mean, I was lucky enough to be at it, but had I even seen it, I think it's one that I'll I'll remember. It was a great race, phenomenal race. Not my choice though. I'm going all the way back to the beginning, first race of the domestic season in the men's field. Haven't had a race for over a year. We go to go cross. And we get Kerry Werner and Curtis White go into the line, go into the line, spread it out, picking up exactly where they left off in 2019. And it was like, oh, baby, Cyclocross is back. This is awesome. Here we go. That was a banger. Love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I mean, I think the other the other honorable mention is since day one, like between Brunner and and Kerry and, you know what went down there and Kerry's attempt to make a move and uh, it was broadcast and we got to see all of it, which was amazing. So uh, there were some, there were some good races on the elite men's side. So uh, elite women tougher, but yeah, (laughs) Uh, a little bit tougher. I mean, it's, it's, it's 
not I mean I, I don't have to go first here but just to, just to say that Bagley Rochette made it made it tough to have a to have you know a really compelling great race because she was so good she was just so good and if she was in a race it was um it was it was really a race for the other spots on the on the podium Sure. So uh, my choice was Noho Day One. Uh, that ended up in a sprint between Ruby West and Raylan Nuss. And we had some great coverage from Dirtwire so we could kind of see it. You know, it was like tactical. It was a super tactical last lap. You know, it came down to who took the last corner in what way uh, to, to get into the sprint. And so, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, one of those races that we didn't per se have video coverage of, but we, you know, we were still able to, I think, tell a good story with the photos and some of the interviews and stuff uh, about that. And so, yeah, and I definitely influenced some of our picks for Pan Ams because <laughs> that was kind of the ended up being the the showdown that we were all looking at when it came down to the uh, the elite women's race and the Pan American Championships. I'm probably just gonna say Pan Ams because that was my first cross race of the season that I got to go to and sort of be back in the groove. And I like I'm you know editing the video there was there was all kinds of good things happening in that race that i enjoyed to see and i thought it was um you know it was go back to my you know breakout rider we had Raylan nuss with the strong ride and it was uh it was cool to be there so maybe my my sort of pick is more sort of a a, a subjective one on uh because i was there but yeah pan am nats women that's domestic right yeah, well, yeah I, I hope so because mine's gonna be kind of kind of similar you know I, I will say shout out to to Magaly Rochette. I think watching that Rochester weekend was amazing. It was great. And she always, you know, for, for a place that she had one of her most catastrophic events there with the heat stroke, just to come back and absolutely crush that course is always fun to watch, even if it wasn't the most competitive race in the world. But I think if, if you know, we're defining, we're going to not talk about the World Cups, but still a domestic race would be that Trek Cup race. Uh, with Yolanda Neff winning was was an amazing race. It was, it was great to see her back. You know, we didn't know what Yolanda Neff was going to look like, but she came in there, was able to fight her way through, take the lead. Katarina Nash getting on the podium again at at Trek. Just just really a really cool international race that wasn't a World Cup that was still competitive and 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 had top riders in it. So I, I would put that one up there as well. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm doing this one on the fly because I, you know, I want to give some love and, you know, we struggle with this because I think with the Europeans, it's a little bit easier to like make light of it a little bit more and we get to see more of the races, but, uh, put you guys on the spot who will go with, uh, your rider domestic most poised to have a monster season breakout season, if you will, next year. And we'll start with the women. Who who so who which American woman's gonna have a, a breakout year next year? This is this is our our question. Yeah. All right. Um I'll go first while you guys are thinking if you well, like. I, I, I got one loaded, but you if you want to go, go. Uh no, go ahead. Maddie Monroe. There would be there would be my choice. Okay. I like she'll it. She'll be twenty. Still, still U twenty three, but you know, as far as international competition goes, we've we've seen that that doesn't really matter. So after a full year of mountain biking season, which she's starting now, and will be 
doing World Cup mountain biking. It'll be really interesting to see how she progresses and comes in the next year. So my choice, actually, and uh, Bill, you might you might disagree with this one based on your your previous uh, choice, uh, but I think Hannah Aaronsman. I think that uh, you know, I, I think that for me, I've known about her for so long. It's hard to say that she would ever have a breakout, but I think we were seeing where she was consistently competing for podiums, and I think she's definitely knocking at the door of being in that conversation to be on podiums in domestic elite races, and not just necessarily kind of, you know, uh, kind of the USCX races, the, the ones that kind of get like the full fields and not more of the regional ones. So my choice is, uh, Hannah Aaronsman. Caitlin Bernstein. All right. That's my pick. All right. Definitely got that confidence. Uh, so on the the men folk, the men's side, can't be Brunner because he already broke out. Probably can't be McGill. <laughs> Feel like he. Well, I don't. But you guys, you guys didn't pick him, so it could be <laughs> potentially. I mean, Scott Funston. I mean, what? What? How old is he? He's twenty, age twenty two. So is he going? He he'll be he'll elite be an elite next year, first right? year elite next year. First year elite, you know, coming off the Pan Ams, Nationals, yeah, on that program um, that uh, that has the winners, yeah, he's my pick. I like that pick. That would that would have been my pick, but I'm going to go with a guy who has been around the block a while, and maybe you know, you could think he's where he's going to be, but I still think he's got a lot of. Um, progress still 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 to be made uh i'm going with lancey pants lance hate it just getting stronger every year next year if he's you know if he sticks with cyclocross which we hope that he does um could be could be his year at the top uh i guess i will i'll be a homer and i'll go with my boy caleb swartz yep uh, I think that, you know, speaking of improving, I've only seen improvement from him following him for over a decade now or almost a decade um, and had some nice results. You know, he almost finished fifth at Rochester that opening weekend till he fell victim to glue gate. Uh, the, the, the glue, cons- what do we call it? Glue spiracy. Uh, he almost finished fourth at nationals ahead of Kerry Werner until, you know, Kerry had to fight him off. He almost beat Kerry at world. <laughs> Carry beat him. Uh, but so, you know, again there. So, yeah, Caleb Swartz is my pick for a potential breakout rider on the elite men's side. Glue, glue, spiracy, trademark, Chris McGovern. Giving, giving you credit, Chris. Don't sue. Well, well here, we got our own term, a dugostrophy. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's a pop quiz for you. I'm throwing a pop okay. quiz in here. All right. Just since we're talking about this, this, uh, category what was the podium for the u23 men's race in lakewood washington for nationals uh brunner swartz and funston you got it nailed it yeah well i remember that because uh brunner was like it was kind of a little club versus varsity thing going on and he's like point for the club teams <laughs> yeah, but just you know, it's, it, it just goes to show what we're, what we're saying. You know, it's like that was kind of a a a, a good indication of of 
what was to come for it. We're always looking at that next class, that next generation of rider. You know, Brunner won elite nationals, but he is more or less the same age as Swartz and Funston. You know, a couple years difference, but in that same in that same class. So this one, I, I like what Michael did with this one. So friend of a uh, friend of the show, Kurt Keeler, wrote in and suggested a category. I was talking about, I believe, block of the year, uh, and I think that he wanted us to. <laughs> Uh, there's only like a couple choices for that one though. So, but Michael, you came in hot. Now you had a good idea, and you took it a different way, which is actually the way that I took it when I first quick read the email that we got. Best block of racing this season. Like, what what block of racing did you guys get the most jazzed for? Right, and so I think also this. I started thinking about like what what is like what are the because I feel like the series the C the sorry. I feel like the cyclocross season breaks down into sections, right? And so the most sort of like notable one is curse period, right? It actually has a name. Zach, I feel like you've coined the stretch run. That's sort of like post, kind of post nationals to worlds, right? And then right now we're, we're at the, the, the last gas breath of the post worlds races. Nobody's favorite except for Mr. February. Um, but I was kind of thinking about then, the, I mean, like, you also have like the the cyclocross stage race, you know, you sort of like early October American World Cups, the Euros are here, there's some domestic racing, how, maybe the Euros come over a little bit early. How do we define the stage race? So the cyclocross stage race of America I think was officially Trek the the World Cups. That right. was official. Okay, that was I the thought. official yeah. cyclocross stage race of America. That's what I thought. Uh hat tip to Kerry Kerry Warner for coining that one. Yeah, I mean, it's, and then, so you kind of, and you kind of have like the preseason, like Belgi Ethias cross races where we're seeing Anique Van Alphen's win and just, so like all these various types of, of, of you know, and so like, wh- what is your guys' favorite? And oh, the, the, there's the other section, which I just called the meat, just kind of that like late October, November, this solid chunk of racing that's mostly in Europe that has your, maybe not Nemours, but has some of like, has Euros, has um, Coxida usually. No. Zonhoven. Anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. So anyway, that's how I've sort of, can you guys think of any other sections of season I'm missing? I mean, I think this year we definitely, I would say we had the pre-World Cup US season. So we had three races, uh, three weekends. That was a solid good block in there i would say that that would be a block of racing um you could say that we have the post (laughs) the post uscx us races which are like noho really rad north carolina and major taylor um but yeah i think you've there's lots of different i like that there's a lot of different ways that you can define this you know you could go as far to say like the two world cups after everyone does their nationals to you know or whatever, you know, you could say January, you could say, you know, you have the February. I like that one. So, um, <laughs> so I'll just, I'll jump in and I, you know, I, Michael mentioned for the bulletin for subscribers, I wrote, um, starting a kind of year in review, uh, series. I like doing it. I like, I like that we're doing this award show. I like to remember the moment, the things that the memorable things that we experienced that we did. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I like looking back and remembering and, you know, just, looking at the year in general. Uh, but I was talking about the cyclocross stage race of America. And I know for the riders, it was intense, but I don't, I don't know that I've ever done 
I mean, I, I can think of one other thing, but like, I don't know if I, in my life, but that was one of the most intense, like two week periods of my life, going to the races, covering them, going back to work, you know, working all night on Wednesday to cover the race, <laughs> producing content. You guys were, Bill was on the road, but that was just so intense. And, you know, I was, I texted you guys like, we'll probably never experience something like that again. So not saying it was special. It was a really cool thing. We knew it was going to be special. And I think it was. I, I, yeah, I think I'm, you know, I didn't get to make it. And I was really bummed because I kind of felt like, like you said, Zach, it was going to be unique three world cups in, in, in eight days. Um, but I, I will just kind of go with, I think my favorite block of racing is even though I kind of get tired at the end of this block because I'm like, I can't watch any more stuff cross racing, but it's curse period. Um, it's that holiday time. It's a little bit like you're kind of, you have more time to watch cross. Um, I also had family around, so I could kind of like force them to watch cross with me, um, and say like, yeah, this is, you know, what I, what I blabber on the internet about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my favorite type, type, uh, time of the year. This may be a Homer answer, but the, 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 uh, the, the beginning of the season for me, it's just, I, I love it. There's so much hype. That's such great weather, you know, talking about domestic cross this year, going from go cross to Rochester to charm city. I mean, they're, they're it's it's personal too. These are races that I you know have relationships with all of them. So I just I, I feel at home for for the ones that I go to. I also think the the racing is super high because everybody is you know it's that weird thing where you're talking about peaking for cyclocrossers that early peak because it's just building up to the World Cups, which are really important for domestic riders having those domestic world cup so everybody is coming in there's no there's no working your way into the season i mean you're coming into the season just firing or a little off it and hope to be going full gas by the time that the world cups come around and it's it's great i mean it's just a party atmosphere you know it's uh this year we kind of had it was like during one of these freaking covid lulls where we were all able to kind of go outside and, and enjoy these races and and had that false hope that things were going to get better until they didn't. But, um, yeah, so, so that, that would definitely be it for me this year. Just thinking back on those, those first three weekends of, of cyclocross was probably my favorite block of the year. Yeah, that would probably be my, my second choice. I love that block and I think that it it worked out really well. I'm excited that we have the October world cups again, because I just love, like you said, if you, if you've been there, you just feel the palpable excitement that crosses back and, like you said, it's just a really fun, friendly, low key environment. Um, yeah, that I've gotten to go to some of them and I've super enjoyed them. So we'll, uh, we'll turn to the international stage. And I think we'll start with one that everyone, everyone is on, you know, just pins and needles waiting for us to give out this award. Gentlemen, who was the top non Dutchie this year? This is for the women, right? Yes. Or for both? No, just for the women. We've got some men and women specific categories in here. Okay. Uh, hey, my, my choice was Blanca Bosch. Blanca Bosch. She was up there. She was uh, throwing punches with the uh, with the Dutchies whenever she could. A lot of times she was first non-Dutchie, so that would be that would be my pick. 
Yeah, she was my pick as well. Uh, I think that, you know, we, she obviously had the illness at Worlds and she kind of had this where she tapered off, but you look at her results and she was finishing like eighth in the elite races. And we were like, what's wrong with Blanca Vosh? You know, because I was looking at other riders, you know, uh, we did kind of the analysis towards the end of the season of top non-Dutchy. And I think Clara was up there and Megali was up there. But to me, Vosh was just more consistent. She was always like, you know, a bad day for her was 10th. A really bad day for her was 10th. A bad day was like 7th, <laughs> you know, and then she was competing for podium. She won at Overisa. Um, you know, she finished second at the elite race at European Championships. So, yeah, Blanca Vosh, future is bright. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing too i was like maybe 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 Kant, you know maybe she was the best non-dutchy and then you look at the results and no it's it's vosh yeah yeah but- i mean the, the, the crazy thing is that we can sit there and in our head think and and you're right i think consistency and in the big races she was up there but then you look at points and of course this is skewed by non-big races so Helene Clausel is actually the first non-dutchy when it comes to points followed by hansiger and then uh and then Blakovash. And she only did the World Cups. So yeah. she, yeah, she didn't have the as many races probably. Um, the Clausels, they kind of seem like Journey. They seem like the uh, kind of like the Journey woman who will go, go anywhere, race anything. So the next one is kind of like in this spirit. So I'm going to go with fourth, fourth best male rider. And this is, of course, after Wout, uh, Pidcock, and Ailey Ezerbeet. So... Are we sure about those top three? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one, Michael. <laughs> Slapping my knee. Okay. Well, I this was harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I'll, some there's some stats here, so I'll get, I'll bring in some stats here. So, so you think you think the. Um, the man that no one wants to talk about right now, but Tone Arts, um, four dubs, four wins. Kind of seemed like the obvious one. He won the XTO series. And I was like, well, let's look at Mikey V. He just won. Also, four wins. Uh, no series win. Um, but he got second in the World Cup behind Ellie. And he got third in the Super Prestige. Then I'm like, okay, what about our man Lars? Lars, four wins as well. So if we're looking at wins, Lars, Tone, and Mikey V all have the same amount of wins. Lars has the championship jersey. Lars got third overall in the Super Prestige. So in order to break this tie, I go to Worlds, and Lars beat both of those guys there. And he also beat Ellie. So my fourth best male rider of the year is Lars Vanderhaar. Yeah, that was that was my pick as well. Uh, I did not do the maths and the sciences. You know, I think it was uh, the, the man who shall not be named. We did an anal- or I did an analysis for the bulletin before Worlds, and if you looked at like the results that Tonarts had had, he had actually been like consistently up there. Like if you assign, I call it like the ro- result score or something. He was actually up there with like Ailey and Pitcock, but he, you know, I mean, one there's the the off the field stuff, but yeah, I mean Lars. Finished second at Worlds. He won Euros. He won a World Cup, like while wearing the European jersey. So, yeah, I think that you know he had those big these big moments, and you know a little bit of he's a fan favorite. You know, the fan favorite uh, getting the extra little push for me to get him over the top. One Dutch Nationals too, right? Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, 
that three. Yeah, he was he was he was my pick as as well. I, I think I had the same uh, kind of debate that you did, Michael, between him and uh, Michael Michael Mantuarin out and uh, came down on came down on Lars. I don't know if it's comeback. I don't know if he's back, but he he was fourth best. He never left. <laughs> Thank you, Becca. All right, so we've got two more rider ones. Uh, obviously, we'll close here with the uh, the elite women's rider of the year, uh, but the the penultimate one. And Michael, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to consult you to make sure that this is this is okay. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go on a limb here. I'm gonna say your pick for third best elite women's rider. You're gonna go on a limb. With, well, what do you by mean? saying that the top two were Brandon Voss. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, although, <laughs> is is Voss better than Brad? No, no, I'm kidding. Um, all right, yeah, so that this is a, I sent you guys this text because I was like, who is the third best woman? And I was like, well, it's probably Betsima, right? I mean, like all year long, I talked about Betsima. It's the Betsima and Brand show and who's the guest star in between. Um, but I was like, I don't know, though. Like, what about Puck? You know, Puck was really consistent, um, did all the World Cups. She won the U23 World Cup overall. Is that a thing? Yes, right? Um, She got, she did, uh, her only win was Worlds. But I was like, well, what about Femme? Femme was like constantly beating Puck, right? You sort of remember this sort of um, Femme winning Val de Soleil. She beat Voss. Uh, She she beat Puck at um, Flamanville. Um, and so I, but once you dug down into the numbers, it was really hard to argue against Denise Betsema had five wins and her wide angle podium percentage was 89 for 36 races. And then she had like the 22, 22 seconds and thirds or whatever. Right. Like I did, there's just no way around that, that I could find because I was trying to not give it to Betsema. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's it's Denise. Uh, Betsima. I, it's just, I, I, I didn't, I was like, well, this is the easiest one out here. Like, not even a question. I, I, even, even if it looked like she kind of faded uh, near the end of the season, I think if you look at the numbers, she really didn't. I mean, you put her up against Puck and it's like 13 to 4. You know, that she's beaten her over the years. So I, I just don't, I don't know who else you can you can throw out there. Yeah, for some reason I had written down Puck uh, was kind of initial reaction, but I appreciate Michael that you brought uh, you brought the math and the the numbers to to write that wrong, and I think that it's pretty clear that you know Betsema was the the third best rider. Uh, all right, so uh, typically isn't this one at the end, like at the Oscars? Isn't like actor or best pictures usually at the end? So okay, okay, best so picture. we're not we're not messing with the order of stuff here so rider of the year international for the men zach you can go first that's interesting okay yeah i mean so there are two schools thought here i i think that like there are compelling arguments to be made both ways but i went with wow i don't know he was nine and one i think the story was all about wow uh based on bill's reaction i think we're putting pressure on michael to be the one who makes the argument for Easter beat at this point, but 
I mean, he just he came in like a wrecking ball and he just demolished everyone. And I think the way that he and not just that he won the way that he won by, you know, that we had the Wout winning margin and it was over a minute, like average victory time was just, you know, he was dominant with the exception of the one race where he got a mechanical. I, I, I get to see Wout once and it's at Holst, you know, in, in person. It's like, I, I feel like I'm bad luck for Wout. Like, I, I shouldn't go watch him race anymore or be be present when he's there. But, yeah, I looked at it, too, and I was like, okay, you know, part-timer or whatever, just showed up, did 10 races. 10 races is still a pretty good season. And he it was he was just racing on a different level. I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't even funny. It was just, like, phenomenal how, how he raced. I don't, I don't see how you give it to anyone else. I mean, I, I guess Ailey Pitcock may, may be in the, you know, Pitcock went in this and had a mission to win worlds and he did it. So that yeah, definitely gets him, gets him some points and Ailey, you know, just kind of that still like gets the consistency award and he's always, he's going to win stuff and, you know, probably, Payday wise came out ahead of everybody and you know, even Tone now since he may be giving us some money back. Uh so yeah, but no, wow, it was it was outstanding. He just he just came in there and and sort of like lifted the lid on Cyclocross and was like, Hey, you guys are pretending. This is what it's all about. Bill, would you say that it was outstanding? It was outstanding. All right, Michael, tell us we're wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to tell you you're wrong, right? I mean, like, what did I talk about that is earlier, the, the, the blocks of racing? Um, we talked about all the different types, parts of the season. This is the award for the rider of the year. I will say this, that I, for the rider of the year category, I only wrote down one name. And it wasn't Ellie, and it wasn't Wow, and it wasn't Pitters. It was Lucinda Brand. But for the for the men's side, I I will argue that the consistency through the season, the fourteen wins over fourteen races, winning the World Cup overall, winning the Super Prestige, um, grinding it out for the little men, I'll give the rider of the year to the men to uh, Ellie Ezerbeek. Ellie Ezerbeek gets Michael's golden tube. I'm glad that you played along, Michael. I appreciate that, and I also like how you tipped your hand. For the next category that we're going to do, I think this is one yeah. that folks have been waiting for uh, us to award with this <laughs> can I, show. Can I, can I, Your can I, elite women. Can I just say one thing? One just postmark. I'm sorry. I need to squeeze this in. <laughs> I can't even do it. Wout Van Aert is the David Niven of cyclocross racers. Man, we need a build translator. You know how like they, you know, was it like Kim Peel did like the Obama anger translator or whatever? We need like we need the we need someone yeah. from the eighties to be a build translator to just be. Like, oh, this is the fifties. Oh. oh wow! <laughs> he won a best. I'm sorry. When you Google Niven. David Piven, it just kind of brings up Niven N, not huh? Piven. Oh, okay. I was like Jeremy. No. So what's he... the what's the explanation, Bill, that you were going to give? Uh, he, he won. He won an Oscar for Best Actor and was only in the movie for twenty three minutes. So this is like when uh, Judy Dench won in Shakespeare in Love, right? Wasn't that a thing where she was in it for like fifteen minutes? She won. Yeah, Best Beatrice. Supporting Beatrice done my research here. Beatrice Straight actually has the record for winning an Oscar for five minutes and two seconds. She was in Network Network for five minutes and two seconds and won an Oscar. What, did she win an no, Oscar supporting. best? But David, Ni- David okay. Niven was 
was best actor. Best yeah. actor in the in separate tables. Okay. All right. Folks, all right. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I, I maybe I should just edit that all out because I interrupted. No, you I, so I, Bill, I, you're I, doing I a service. Like, think of like everyone as you know. Hopefully, as Omicron goes away, people will be going to bar trivia again, and I feel like that is like golden bar trivia. Like, win win the title and get fifty dollar gift card uh, for free right. drinks. You're all in right. the middle of your role for the, and I I, st- I felt I felt like Kanye. And then I apologize. No, dude, you are. I'm going than... to let you finish. No, I, I appreciate that you you turned over the reins. You let me take take control here and kind of lead this discussion of the awards. So I appreciate it. You're allowed to jump in anytime that you want. Uh, but let's do it. Elite women. There can be only two, but we can only pick one. There are two. There can only be one. Michael, you already tipped your hand. Uh, which way you're going? Uh, do you want to explain? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I look, I was like, you know, Voss won the worlds, right? And Voss did best brand a few times. Um, Voss seemed, Voss seemed to be the writer who almost no one had an answer for. Um, and the only one who took Voss out of races usually was herself, but kind of in the Ellie Ezerbeat form, brand just won everything else and did all the races, got 20 wins in the season, um, won all the series. I mean, just won the Jersey, like, I mean, one, one worlds, sorry, not worlds, one euros and went on that tear. And I just, I mean, she's, she's the rider of the year. She, I mean, she was the one who had the drone footage, right? Come on. No, that's fair. I picked Lucinda brand as well. I guess maybe this makes me a little bit of a hypocrite after going with the, uh, wow, you know, winning <laughs> the elite men's award for a short period of time. But I, I was like, I was curious. So I looked and, uh, Voss won six out of her 10 races this year for a winning percentage of 60% brand won 61% of her races this year. So she won at a comparable winning percentage to Voss, but she did it for literally the entire year. She raced like every race, Um, you know, and I think, you know, the idea that we wouldn't even be thinking of giving it to Voss had she not, you know, finished like a bike length ahead of brand at worlds. Right. And that's what a sprint finish. Like that's the difference between whether we talk about you as a winner or someone who finished second. But the reality is that it really came down to such a close finish uh, that, you know, to me, Voss doing that maybe if she'd won 90% of her races it'd be a different story but I think it was pretty competitive between the two and uh you know branded for a longer period of time everybody knows that worlds has an asterisk next to it this year so it doesn't even count and therefore <laughs> Lucinda Brand wins without controversy going away rider of the year all right yeah, asterisks for being the most awesomest worlds because the media pit was there in unison. Should we do a war? Like, what was the best world championships of this year? <laughs> oh, we won't do that. Uh, but here's a here's a fun one. Uh, so the next one we'll do is race of the year. We'll start with the elite women. There's a lot of choices for this one. I feel like. I, this may be recency bias, but I'm going with Flammaville with uh, with the sprint finish and uh, 
Puck and Femme just fighting it out for lap after lap. It was nice to see, you know, Lucinda not not in the mix for that one. We got to see some other players. And that's not to discount any of her wins or any of their races, but I just it was just refreshing and it was fun. And it was they they kind of rate they made that course really fun to watch and and it looked like both of them were dead at one point or like three or four points throughout the race. So I, I don't know if it was the most important race of the year, but that was the one I think that I I, I thought was the most enjoyable. So I'm, I'm giving I'm giving my race of the year award to to that one. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go. Kind of picked one out at random, but I remember this was a good race. Uh, GP Sven Nice. Um, it's in my favorite block of racing. New Year's Day. We had a really good battle between uh, Brand and Alvarado. Alvarado is a rider who, last year, we gave awards for who will we most likely see back in this season, and we picked worst. Maybe that kind of came true. I'm 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 hoping that Alvarado is a rider that we see back um, next year, but that we saw flashes of that that the former world champion in that race, and there was a little bit of a controversy with the lap riders. And uh, I thought this is one of the first times I actually liked the conditions at the Sinice, um Center. So yeah, that was my pick. Best women's. Race. I went with uh, World Cup Waterloo, uh, perhaps. A little biased because really one of perhaps the best photo that I've taken uh, at this point in my career, uh, getting a shot from behind. But I mean, there were just so many people there. Like the vibes at Trek were so great. And you had this battle between, you know, Brandon Voss. You had memories of 2018 of Voss beating Ellen Noble at the last second on Trek Factory Hill. And, you know, Voss makes a perfect pass on the hill uh, to get past Brand and win it. And just, you know, the great crowd and uh, just a good start to the world cup season. I think it was a perfect, it was fitting, right? That that was the beginning of the the world cup season. And then we ended up with the world championships which ended up being those two again in, you know, that race actually wasn't that good. Like we all knew it was going to come to, I can probably tell why you guys didn't pick it is like, we all knew after lap two, it was coming down to a sprint finish. It was just like, all right, you can just pack your bags, you know, go out, grab a sandwich, and you just come back and wait for the end of it. Um, so there were definitely some other ones uh, that had had the drama. So I'm glad that, yeah, good good set of races. And not surprisingly, the elite women, they deliver uh, in a lot of cases. So actually, I actually wrote down for this category, I wrote down um, the U23 race at Worlds um, because I liked, there was, there's a lot of storylines in that, in that race and we saw some dangling, we saw some coming back, we, we saw a few, you know, slip ups that, you know, made people chase, we saw Puck finally sort of get the win in the season at Worlds, you know, you saw Femme afterwards pretty upset um, and, you know they essentially are the elite racers of tomorrow. So that, that was, that was probably my second choice. So that's, I like that choice as well. That was a great race that I'll definitely remember. I think we'll be talking about that race five years from now when one of them does something, they'll be racing against each other and we'll be like, Hey, do you remember Fayetteville? And we'll be like, of course, because we were there. The whole media pit was there. Um, so I think that's one of those ones for, for the future. Uh, so, so next up we go to the elite men. Uh, I don't know. This one might be a little bit tougher. I'm not sure. I felt like this one was a little bit tougher for me to come up with one. What did you guys come up with? My favorite race of this year for the men 
was Namor. I thought that we had a a, a storyline going in there that we had erased the 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 battle between Pidcock and Van Art and and Vanderpool that from the a previous edition that was like oh when this comes back around you know and Pidcock's there this is going to be his race to win and everybody gone and forgot about Michael Van Tornout who was the class of that race and I thought it was a great just just a great race for that guy. And it, especially on a monument, you know, he, he won into Tabor, won that world cup, which was a great, his first world cup win. But this was like, I think a defining, a career moment for him and the way that he did it against, you know, the, the ultimately the world champion and to really be the class of that race. I, I thought that was a, I just thought that was a phenomenal and a really important race for the season. My choice was world cup Rufin. You had uh, Tom Pickcock v. Ailey Ezerby and Michael Van Turnout. Uh, you had, you know, Van Turnout and uh, Ezerby kind of like just putting like putting it all on the line against Pickcock and opening up a gap and Pickcock chasing for like three fourths of the final lap. Like he makes contact and then he makes a pass by hopping the barriers faster than Ailey Ezerby. He swings out wide. He just comes in so hot, mm. hops him ahead of, of Ezerby. And it's like two corners to the, to the sprint finish. So that one was, that was, you know, Ailey threw everything at him. Michael threw everything at him and Pitcock really responded. And that was one, you know, that went down to, uh, a sprint finish that you didn't necessarily know if it was if it was going to end up that way because it looked like Ezerbeet had Pitcock on on his back foot. I don't I don't know that I have one. Uh, there's there's too many. <laughs> uh, so another one that I wanted to be a little bit different. Um, our friends at Cyclocross Twenty Four they mentioned also Ball uh, was that was the race where Wout had a mechanical. And so we got to see Wout kind of chase back and then end up catching, I think it was Pitcock and end up winning. So it was like, I don't know. It's like why, like when Holst happened, we're like, oh, he'll be fine. He's only chasing 30 seconds and in 54th place with, uh, with Matt Lelleveld, uh, the Canadian, but you know, it took a Wout mechanical, right? Going back to our rider of the year, it took a Wout mechanical to make one of his races interesting. All right. Uh, so I we only have I, I think a few more left to go. So uh, I, I don't I called this one. You know we like storylines, we like controversy, we like subplots, we like all of these things. Um, so I left this one kind of open ended. But uh, you know your favorite subplot or favorite like controversy uh, of the season, and maybe these are too divergent. So this one might need some clarification for next year. But kind of curious what you guys came up with for this one. Favorite controversy of the year that there's an asterisk on worlds. <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous. I, I, that, this was my callback to my, to my last point about, uh, about how it could be Voss for, for rider of the year. I, that, that people were saying somehow that this was not a legitimate world championship, that the course was not a legitimate world's course. It was all just, complete bullshit and it's just i don't know it's 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 anti-north american (laughs) sentiments and it's just it's just it's just complete silliness and i thought it was a great world championship and i'm i'm glad it was in the u.s and you know what if you were there 
you wouldn't have called it a gravel course or whatever people were calling it. It was a legit, <laughs> legit cyclocross course. It may not have looked like the cyclocross course that you see every week, but it was a legit cyclocross course. So let's do both. We'll do bet. We'll do controversy and we'll do subplot. So controversy, uh, my controversy was, uh, our, our greatest troll moment uh, on our Instagram page was when Michael White was like, no one's at the American races. American racing sucks. Like no one goes to them anymore. Somehow just forgetting that track happened. Uh, and then we, we trolled them cause, uh, was it Zonhoven pretty empty this year. Um, right. And, and then, and then people were like, well, COVID I'm like, what, it doesn't exist in the U S <laughs> no, it, we clearly we established with Arkansas is, you know, they found out we don't have any rules. So uh, that's my pick for uh, favorite controversy. And uh, I like that the bulletin got to get in there and stick a little, little shiv in the euros. Here's my favorite fake controversy. And it was recent. So the drone goes up on Saturday the UCI bans it Monday. It's approved starting March 1st. I like too the 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 just like the UCI not, oh, you know what? You guys are right. This is an awesome idea. We need to have this. It's it's no longer restricted. Instead, it's like, well, they didn't ask us. It's yeah, their exactly. fault. It's their they, fault. They just didn't ask. We totally would have said yes if they came to <laughs> totally. us before. Like we would just absolutely, we would totally, we are not the uncool institution that you think that you all think we are. Um, all right. Favorite subplot. I'll go first. Lars Vanderhaar. He's back. I love that. That was my favorite subplot and storyline of this season. I don't think it needs any explanation at this point. Matthew Vanderpool. I mean, kind of the biggest subplot that was a no plot for the season. It was, this was like, what is Vanderpool going to do when he comes back? And then it was like, okay, uh, he's racing, but you know, he's still Audrey. Everybody else is just racing into shape. And then it turns out, no, he's just, he's been injured since Tokyo and he, he needs to get better. But I think that it was one of these things where we were, there was so much anticipation to see what was going to happen when the big three got together and went out there and, uh, you know, went at it and we never really got it. Uh, so that was, I think one of the biggest subplots that just kind of, kind of fizzled out and that, you know, all we can hope for is that the three of them will actually race cross against each other in the future. And I think that's still up in the air. TBD. So speaking of Vanderpool, a little side note, I don't know if you guys, I just started following him on Strava and he just started putting up all his rides. He is putting in, he is chopping the logs and stacking the lumber. He did 520. Those aren't training rides. He's just, he's Uh, just spinning. Oh yeah. He's spinning (laughs) for that for 27 hours. Um, He's already done. He's already done 200 miles on Tuesday this week. Um, so Vanderpool is out there. I hope that he's co- subplot. He's coming after you, know, you in Kansas, Zach. Look out. He's putting in his 200-mile training <laughs> rides. <laughs> he's getting ready for the UCI Gravel World Series, guys. <laughs> um, you know what? This is – here's my – it's actually – it's a favorite subplot of past years – that we didn't really get into this year. Um, discussion and rankings of the toppers, subtoppers, and middlers. I was listening to last year's award show, and we we talked about this stuff so much, and I was like, we just we just created, we like moved on. We like 
had fun with that bit, and then we're like, oh, we got new bits now, and we're like, throw those in the old bit bin. Um, so <laughs> I kind of want to bring back the, you know, the topper talk. Um, so yeah, next year. I like it. No, you're right. It, like, I think like I kept going like, guys, send me your topper chart picks and I'll like, I'll do a post. Then we just had like so much other content for the bulletin. It just kind of like, we didn't need it. We didn't need to go to bits this year, which I, I guess is good in a way. Right. Like, I mean, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of great racing. There were a lot of great, you know, domestic stories. And then we kind of moved into the uh, international part of the season and yeah, I think it went pretty well. Uh, so finally we did this last year. I like to have some pundit accountability. Uh, you know, we are, we do this cause we enjoy it, but we're also here for you. And we, we try our best to bring you the best takes. We try to bring you the correct takes is something that we, uh, pride ourselves on, but we, we don't always get it right. Uh, so do you guys have any takes that you regret? I don't necessarily regret it. Um, cause you gotta, you gotta what's, a, what's a take that you made that didn't I, pan out then? Oh, I said Blanca Vosh would win Worlds, like, in September, is what I said. So, that 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 didn't work out. <laughs> uh, mine was, I feel like, after the U.S. World Cups, I said that Femme Van Ample might be falling victim to the curse of the U23 uh, World Champions jersey. Clearly not the case. Like, that was, I regret that. That was a bad, that was a bad take. I'm sure I had a lot of bad takes. I, I'm, I'm good at bad takes. I, I, I will take credit for all of them. I, I read this completely wrong when I saw this on here, and I just thought it was like the worst take out there, not necessarily my own personal <laughs> worst take. So, I, okay. Great. So, what was okay. the worst take out there, Bill? Let's hear it. <laughs> that we need to race on ice and snow to prove that the sport is a winner, <laughs> belongs in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> oh my God. Can I? I want to go back and nominate Val de Soleil for my favorite race. <laughs> That's fine. I'm all for it being a race and I'm all for it being being part of cyclocross, but I don't want it to define cyclocross. It's acts like Bill don't go into a 15-minute rant. We're already running late. Oh, you could do that. Do another Cat 5. You haven't done a Cat 5 show in a while. You know, the Winter Olympics just wrapped up. Why don't you do a Cat 5 uh, nope. show? It's it's just it's just like winter I, I i will just say what i've been saying forever winter does not mean snow and ice so if you want to have cyclocross in the olympics have cyclocross in the olympics it does not have to be on snow and ice it can still be a winter sport it's cold they'll be wrapped up in thermal gear yeah it seems like if they had i mean they had to make snow right for these olympics so they could just gone somewhere and not made snow in and 10 had the years, cross there race. can be snow left. So what are you going to do? Just stop the Winter Olympics? And IOC is going to like, oh, we don't need that billion dollars. We're going to well, no. They make it. They make it a de, de, <laughs> decommission nuclear power plants. They can always make snow. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I will. I my homework will be by by next uh, next episode. I'll uh, I'll have figured out my worst take. Or you know, you all can just tell me. You're very good at that. <laughs> just tell me what my worst take was. <laughs> I'm sure it had to do with juniors. That's probably true. Wait, wait. I had those things that people hate. What were those? Wait, were any of those? <laughs> no, people Five liked them people, this yeah, time. What did you say this it, year? There was like, they were met with like almost universal acclaim. Yeah. I. Yeah, yeah. you need to try harder. I'll try harder to be dumb. <laughs> uh, well, as Bill would say, guys, we, we did it. 
we did a cyclocross season. I think I was thinking back. I think this was season three of the media pit. I'm getting concerned. I feel like this is getting to, you know, with Netflix and stuff. This is when they were just like, yeah, you're, you're cool. And your, your, your show's going well. We're just going to cancel you. Um, but ideally we'll be back for <laughs> season four and the network, uh, won't cancel us. Uh, I don't know. I've Tuesdays have been a highlight of my, my year, um, had so many great memories from this year and I'm looking forward to many more next year when we do it all again. Yeah, I think it's it's so funny. I was thinking about uh, the end of the cross season and and how I was really two things. Two, I have two two final notes. One, Solaride Podcast likes to call all the road racing that's happening right now spring training, but technically it's winter. So this is winter road racing. Let's just let's just call it what it is. It's it's road racing in the winter. It's 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 stepping on Tucker Ross's season. So let's just okay. Two. It's funny because on doing this, getting ready for this show and, and thinking about the season, I started thinking about next season and I went from being exhausted about cyclocross to be already being excited for next year. Um, so I don't know. There's something about uh, reaching the end of the season and looking forward to the next year gets you all excited again and thinking about what the schedule is going to be like and we won't have a cyclocross stage rate quite as big as last last fall but i'm already looking forward to uh the one coming up in next october or this october here's here's what i will say about the media pit about cyclocross radio i think i'm looking at this i think that yeah 2015 started this podcast in 2015 and i i think it's it's fitting that with the posting of this episode Assuming that our statistics stay the same as they have, it we, we will hit a million downloads. No way! From this like episode. this episode. Wow. Yep. That it's nine downloads right now. So we we should surpass a million downloads. So that seems like something that that that's monumental for the for the for the 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 run of this dude congrats man i mean i know we've been a part of it for like three eighths of it or whatever but like kudos to you and that's a testament to you man a million downloads yeah it's kind of cool hell yeah that is (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's super cool a millions is a nice nice number i mean and you know what uh, every one of those downloads is like ten dollars oh god (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) <laughs> yeah if i could if i <laughs> if i had a penny for every for every download for cyclocross radio i'd be a millionaire no if i had a dollar for every... <laughs> i'm not good at math oh man we should probably end this. that's a good cold open right there uh i don't know how to i we did it bill i we did it cyclocross <laughs> We did it. Uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Um, hang in there, kid. My worst take is that my worst take is a penny for a million is a million dollars. There's my worst take. You know that's why I went to law school because I was no good at math.
Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, the Grodio Podcast.